I'm not going to keep you very long, but we're going to look at the uh, the four, the whole. There's a lot involved in this ceremony, and it's a lot of what we do here is pure tradition. But there's Bible truth behind that tradition, which does make it very special. So what we're going to share this morning is there is the I don't know we could call them the four Christmas presents of Advent. Four things that we that we're reminded of, and we could be reminded of all kinds of things. But there's four candles here, and then there's one that come together to celebrate Christmas Day. And the readings today were focused on the prophecies of Christ and the fulfillment of those prophecies in Christ. You notice the wreath is normally, and ours is in a circle, because the circle, um, I think Caroline said this the very first week, the circle is a picture of eternality and continuity. And at the focus, at the middle of all four things that we're going to talk about, is the candle that pictures Jesus Christ. And everything else centers around him. And it's a circle. And the circle doesn't end. And if I, hope, I hope I have the order right. Um, the four candles as lit in order represent hope and peace and joy and love. And I think the meaning there is brilliant. Because all of those things are gifts that we received when we became saved. It's the gift of Christmas Day. And that's why the fifth candle was only recently added to the Advent wreath. Um, to picture Christ is at the center of all four of those things. So it's kind of like all four of those things radiate from Christ, and at the same time, they're going on for eternity. It's an eternal cycle that doesn't end. They're the eternal blessings of salvation that came um, on that first Christmas morning. There's a cycle of hope and peace and joy and love. And this morning, we're going to take just a couple of minutes, a very few minutes, to remember the blessings that come um, came at Christmas that we remember in our Advent celebration. And hopefully I'll be more organized and more uh, able to make this more of a thing for the church next Christmas time. So let's pray and then we'll, ha- we'll just look at, a few th- look at those four aspects um, kind of briefly and then we'll be able to go home and have spend our time with our families. So Father, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings and the symbols that we have of the Advent wreath and the Advent candles. Lord, we pray that you might remind us of the four gifts of, of the Advent season that came because of the appearance of Christ. But Lord, bless us, bless us now through the rest of the service, through the rest of the day, and thank you for the time we have together for a few minutes this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, of course, the Advent is kind of like the word we saw last week. It talks about an appearing. And the wonderful thing is, it's just almost mind-boggling when you start thinking about all that's involved here. Because we know there's two Advents of Christ, right? There was the first Advent of Christ when Jesus was born in a manger. And most Jews thought that was it. That was the Advent of Christ. And as the prophets wrote in the Old Testament, um, and they, they, they talked about a hope that was coming. That was the purpose of all the prophets. Sometimes the first candle is called the prophet's candle because it was they were giving a prophecy of the hope that they had when Messiah came. And then, and then, so, but now we, now that he has come, the hope is still a focus for us because now the Advent looks back to the first coming. It looks forward to the second coming of Christ. Hope is central in this broken world. We live in a, we all know, this world's a mess. And it can be, honestly, it can feel pretty hopeless at times, can it? I mean, I, I was, I'm looking at the news of what's going on, and I just, I, I it's, it's madness, isn't it? 
It's absolute craziness going on out there. And you say, where is our hope? And all the hope that all the things that we had built hope in are all being broken down because of the broken world. But we have hope in Christ. Our hope is in the fact that He is going to come back and rescue us from this. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9 says, and boy, this is true, isn't it? It says that if our only hope was in this world, we would be of all men most miserable. Isn't that a wonderful reminder? If all our hope was in the stuff around us, we'd be in pretty terrible shape. But that's not where our hope ends. It's not the kind of hope that says, man, I hope I get a new bike for Christmas. It's not the kind of hope that says, man, I hope I get a new PlayStation next year or for my birthday or whatever. It's not the kind of hope that says, I hope this works out. not the kind of hope that says, um, Chelsea wins the title. Now that would be a vain hope. It's not that kind of hope. All right, the hope that the Bible talks about is a settled assurance. And language is so funny, isn't it? That it can have so many meanings. Well, the hope is that my hope is in this, my trust. Sometimes hope means trust. And that's what this picture of hope is remembered by the candle. Colossians 1 verse 5 speaks of, and this speaks of a hope that is laid up in heaven for us. We're not going to get a lot of what we hope for in this world, are we? Sometimes we will. Sometimes things that we hope will happen, happen. But eventually there's a hope laid up in heaven for us. The first advent of Christ brought an assured hope for eternity. Today, as we saw last week, we look forward to the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ought to live every day with the hope that today might be the day. I've got hope. I don't have any hope in my bank account. I don't have any hope in my home, or if you have a home, um, or this or that, or your job. That's all a vain hope. Because we have the hope of eternity. And that's what the first camp, the first candle symbolized. Second candle, the second candle symbolized peace. And everybody wants peace. I, 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 I just, I, I like peace. We want peace among nations. We want peace with our neighbors. We want peace in our homes. And we want peace in our churches. And those are all good things. But they're all fragile. Even the most peaceful situation we have ourselves in can easily fall apart. But we have one peace because Jesus said when he left, he says, my peace I leave to you. I don't leave the peace that the world leaves you. And the promise here is the peace of God comes to salvation. Romans chapter 5 talks about how we can have, um, we can have peace with God. Even when we are enemies of God, Jesus came and showed us his love that we can have peace with God. But that's not all that peace talks about. Peace talks about going a bit further. Um, even as believers, and I think of Bill again this morning, um, knowing he was a believer and living for many years, he had he was assured in his heart that he had peace with God, that he was God's child and God would take him to heaven. But he didn't have the peace of God abiding in his life. And I think all of us can find ourselves in that situation. Maybe not quite so dramatic as what Bill was describing, but I think we can all have that kind of thing in our life where we, we have peace with God. Yeah, that's there. 
I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm going to heaven. But the peace of God is not always there. And praise God that God sticks with us through those times. He says, but he tells us we can have peace, the peace of God reigning in our hearts. There's a specific verse that says that. Philippians chapter 2, um, verse 4 says, Be careful. Don't be full of cares and woes. Don't be anxious. But in everything by prayer, with supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the rest of the verse says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That wonderful peace of God. I'm doing my devotions in Ephesians, and Paul writes there about the fact that we would know the height and the breadth and the depth and the width and all these wonderful things about the love of God and comprehend the incomprehensible, that God's able to do is exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And that ought to give us a calm peace in our life. Again, that's not easy. Peace peace is not a simple thing. But one of the things the angels promised, what they say? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. So the second candle of the Advent, the first candle of the Advent season talks about hope. The second one talks about peace. The third one talks about joy. We, we sing songs to the kids. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Okay? We've got songs... Um, I, there's another song we sing, I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. And part of Paul's prayer for the church is that in, in Ephesians that they, would, that, that they would be filled with joy and with peace through believing. Joy, it's easy to talk about joy. You know, we can sometimes we talk about joy and happy being the same thing, don't we? We kind of think of them as being synonyms. But there's a big difference, isn't there? Anybody know the difference between happiness and joy? The basic root difference. Anybody know what the difference between happiness and joy is? What's happiness based on? Circumstances. Circumstances. All right? I'm happy because it's Christmas Day. I'm happy because my team won the title. I'm happy because um, we get to have part of our family with us for Christmas dinner today. I'm happy with this or I'm happy with that. Those are circumstances. And circumstances can change dramatically. But joy doesn't change because our joy is laid out and rooted for us in heaven. Joy is based, as Paul said, joy is based on what we believe, what we choose to believe. I can have that joy unspeakable and full of glory. I can say the joy of the Lord is my strength, but it all comes through my faith, through my belief. Do I believe that God can do what he says? Do you see how so far, all these things have gone back to the picture, the center of the wreath, the hope, and the peace, and the joy, and they're all focused at the middle, which is because of what Jesus Christ has done. They're all precipitated among each other. The last thing is this, and and last week or Sunday just gone, um, we looked at love. Man, I tell you what, I I spent a lot of my years as a Christian in churches that where love was talked about, and. My goodness, love did not permeate. Where people acted out of, I don't know, self-promotion or getting a job done or being well-known. But the more, I, the older I get and the more I read the Word of God, we read how much... And I, you don't have to look very far. You look back at what Jesus said. What's the greatest commandment? And we can bring that down a bit. What do you say? Love God and love others. Isn't that the root? When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said, let everything be done 
in love. I, I want you to look with me one verse this morning, or two verses. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 through 19. Ephesians 3, 18 through 19. blown away by this. I'm doing it in my devotions. At the same time, we, um, we, we listen to a devotional by Charles Stanley daily. Um, all we say is, Alexa, play the day of the devotion. It's great. But anyway, this is one of the passages that she had in her devotional guide last week. Ephesians 3. And I want to go back to verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and the earth is named. All right? Uh, I bow my knee before Jesus Christ, the focus of this whole Advent celebration, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being... Listen to this now. Look, starting in verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love. The one place we can stand is on the love of God. That never has to be moved, never has to be shattered. God's love doesn't change. And Paul writes about being having our roots set deep in love. The second word he uses is architectural. That you might be grounded, you might have your foundation laid in love. I, don't, I would never try to proclaim that any attribute of God is more important than the other attribute of God. I can't do that. But I can tell you the one that I think is most applicable to us is to really grasp this lesson of love. Because if we love God, we're going to live holy, righteous lives, right? If we love others, we're going to be compassionate and caring towards them. If we truly love God and love others, it's going to fall into place. Anyway, let me go on here. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints... What is the width and the length and the depth and the height? You can almost see him. He doesn't know what to say next. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. To know what you can't know. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Part of my prayer for the next year, it's all kind of tied up in Ephesians. I'm actually looking at the next verse to be um, filled with all the fullness of God. But part of that context is I want the love of God to reign supreme in my life. And we can only do that. The Bible tells us we love Him because He first loved us. It also says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever, puts, whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I, I, I don't know of four gifts that we could celebrate more at Christmas than hope and peace and joy and love and the fact that these things are focused on Christ and they go on and on and on forever I'll never look at Advent again the same way in the future and prayerfully God willing I'll be more prepared for it next year Father we thank you for today I thank you for Lord this remembrance that we have through human tradition Lord human invention a very symbolic way to remember um, 
the four attributes of hope and joy and peace and love which are focused on Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that we have that those four gifts, five gifts, I guess, the gift of God's eternal life. We have those five gifts. And I pray, Lord, that our Christmases in the future, our Advents in the future, would be focused on the wonderful things you've done for us. And I thank you for our time together. Pray as we go our ways, you give us a wonderful time with family and friends today, Lord, but not to lose focus on the gift you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anybody have, anybody have a song you'd like to close with? I didn't think of a closing song. Anybody have one you'd like to close with? Okay, we can finish with that. Joy to the world. Good closing song. Um, if somebody finds it in that section, give me a shout. Joy to the world. Uh, what is it? 194. 194. 194. Could you send me a couple of those? Send me a couple of those. Yeah. All right, let's sing the first and last stanzas of Joy to the World. No, let's sing it all. is found.